0: Welcome back to Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast. I'm Russ Joy at Joy on Broad, joined as always by Anthony Sanfilippo, the number one Flyers beat writer, who you can find on Twitter at AntSanPhilly. Make sure you go follow him. Anthony, uh, the last show we did was a little bit unconventional. You actually uh, outed one of the former beat writers or former Flyers insiders as being a, a scoundrel and a creator of hashtag fake news. How are you feeling?
1: I'm doing all right, Russ. I'm, I'm doing good. I I got some uh, a lot of positive response to our last um, uh, our last podcast. As a matter of fact, uh, somebody um, in the industry who I was uh, at 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 an event with together, um, actually, when they saw me, they started doing like an Obi Wan Kenobi with the lightsaber kind of <laughs> thing. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like. This is what you did to the Philadelphia hockey media. <laughs> it's, uh, it was pretty funny, actually. Um, awesome. And the thing of it is, is that it's you know it was just one guy, and it was just at the end of his career. I mean, before that he was not like that. And um, there are some good writers. I I didn't take it to you know take everyone to task. I actually gave credit. I think to to um, uh, to one guy as a matter you did. of fact. Yeah, right. I don't remember who it was, but you did. You gave some yeah. credit. Yeah. What well, credit was due. So. Th-
0: uh, was it Dave Isaac? I think it, it was, was Dave D- Isaac. Yeah, it was, it was, it it was, was Dave Isaac. Isaac. Yeah, you yeah. Said, gave him kudos on yeah. building rapport with players. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, it so wasn't all did. negative. No, it wasn't all negative. So, um, you know, and, and I'll San Filippo
1: out. is uh, San Filippo is uh,
0: Italian for uh, fair and balanced. Fair and not balanced. Lot, and not I'll not be, lot let people know uh, that.
1: And I'll just give you another one. I mean, you know, a lot of people in this town still remember Frank Saravalli. If you are big-time hockey head, you know he works for TSN now. How the heck do you think the guy got the job at TSN? I mean, right? I mean, the guy had to be doing a jo- his job pretty well. Um, wow, look at you! So Complimentary. He, well, no, it, it, it's the truth. I mean, he had to be. He had to be doing a job well. I mean, you don't just sc- suddenly become an American who gets a job in Canada for covering hockey, right? I mean, that's that's um There's only been like two or three guys who've ever done that, right? And he's one of them. Um, and it had to be because he, you know, he was uh, well connected with players and agents and and you know and, and was respected in, in that manner so um so yeah there have been some good guys here just not not
0: enough that's the problem it's, it's crazy to hear you be uh, positive because i spent a good chunk of my morning uh, listening to crossed up the uh, phillies podcast that if uh, people who are listening to this show are fans of the phillies and aren't subscribed to you they should go check that out as part of the crossing broad podcast network um i was listening to you and uh, and our phillies writer bob just uh, bantering back and forth about the Phillies and I, I wasn't sure if you were going to be in a good mood tonight or not but I'm, uh, I'm I, I think it has something to do with the
1: fact that it's not after midnight. I think I caught you at a good hour that's that's exciting. You catch me when I'm awake, and then I'm, you know, I'm usually much more chipper. If I'm recording it, you know, either six o'clock in the morning when we, we recorded that six thirty in the morning on a Sunday, I really the last it. time we did it. So yeah, that, that's that's how you got me, like real ornery. Um, and then if I'm doing it after midnight when I've been up all day, I mean, yeah, I'm kind of miserable. So, but you catch me now. We're recording at a reasonable time. It's just after dinner. Um, there's still daylight outside. Mm. And, you know, it, this is a good time to catch me, and you probably get me in a much better mood. Yeah, not a, not a good time of uh, the hockey year,
0: however. Not a lot going on. We're still over a month away from camp, and we are about a month removed from the Flyers making their biggest acquisition of the summer uh, in signing back fan favorite. I would consider him a fan favorite, a guy that I, I certainly liked in uh, James Van Reemsdyke. But what if we told the listeners of this show that it almost didn't happen? Anthony, you, yeah, uh, 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 an industry source has told me <laughs> that there uh, there had been another plan uh, in place.
1: Uh, yeah, so let me put it to you this way: Let's we'll break down because there's going to there's a lot I actually want to say on this. Um, so J JVR was was signed, and the, and the Flyers brought him in, um, and uh, the contract was for um, five years, seven million a year, so five year, thirty five million dollar contract. Um, and if you remember when we went and, and did the snow the goalie with um, Flyers GM Ron Hextall uh, just before the draft and the trade de- and the uh, start of free agency. He expressed to us, and I didn't think he was lying at the time, um, that the the Flyers were not looking to sign anybody to a long term deal. Like they were really kind of looking for stuff still like in a more of a short term thing because you get you know we have guys coming and we don't want to be you know stuck with longer term contracts. I mean Hextall spent the first four years of his tenure as the general manager here getting rid of bad contracts as best as he could. Um, so I mean, you end up having um, a situation where he tells us this, and then two weeks later goes out and signs Van Riemsdyk for five years, thirty-five million, and you think, well, gee, Ron Hextall just lied to Anthony and Russ. Well, I don't necessarily think that's the case. As a matter of fact, I know it's not the case Uh-oh. because because. Um uh you know, we talked about sourcing material and how it 's supposed to be done on our last episode and um and it was tied into the whole Joe Gilio. Um, report for the Phillies trading for Manny Machado, which was kind of weird. We were talking about baseball um, on the hockey show, but at the same time, it translated. It just translates to the kind of reports that get put out there and and people using sources, and you see it all the time in, in a lot of sports. And hockey is no different. And we, you, you know, you really have to wonder who people's sources actually are when they are, um, you know, when they are reporting these trade rumors or potential free agent signings or whatever the case might be. So you always have to take it with a grain of salt. Um, so anyway, we talked about that on the last show and immediately, I mean, I'm, I mean, we put that thing out, we recorded it at 630 in the morning on Sunday. You posted it, what, by like 10? I mean, it was out yep. what? A couple hours. Yeah, I, li- I literally, it was out a couple hours and I called you later that afternoon that somebody <coughs> within the flyers, had listened to it um, and called me immediately uh, to talk about the to talk about the podcast and about what I had said on the podcast. And as soon as that happened, in the process of the conversation that we had about the podcast and what I said, we started talking a little bit about the team, you know, and you know, how it shaped up this summer and you know, getting ready for the off season. Maybe talk. we talked a little bit about some of the prospects, and we'll get into that in a minute too. I got, I gleaned one really huge nugget of information that JVR wasn't quite the number one target at free agency. The Hmm. flyers, Hmm. the Hmm. flyers number one target, and it would make a lot more sense when you think back to what Hextall said to us, was a third line center. Well, not necessarily a third line, but a center for sure. I was going to say, the Flyers sure love their centers, right? Well, I mean, yeah, Russ. I mean, so the Flyers needed a center. And we kind of, you know, we had been talking about this. Like, who's going to be the center on the third line? And so the Flyers had a guy in mind that they wanted to to sign. um, And not for a long term, like Hextall had said to us. They weren't going to look for somebody long term. So they made an offer to a a player. Um, And said player turned down the Flyers offer to take a different deal with a different team. That player is Paul Stastny. Yes. Who signed with the Vegas Golden Knights uh, for three years and $19.5 million. Hmm. Now, I don't want to give away all the specifics because then it might kind of you know, direct. You know, f- people could figure out who might have told me this information, and I promised I wouldn't say anything that would you know, identify who the person is. But the Flyers offer was two years, um, and the annual uh, average annual value was higher over, the, over two years. So in other words, if Stastny would have taken the Flyers offer, he would have gotten one less year but would have been making more money for two years, but instead chose a lengthier contract that pays him more money, even though it's less per year, but it pays him out over three years. That's what he chose. The Flyers were stunned. They thought that there was no way he would turn down the deal. But yeah, he t- did. I'm, hey, I'm trying t-
0: to trying to wrap my head around it. I mean, he's, he's 32. 32 he'll be 30, He'll be 33 uh, mid-season, turns 33 at the very end of the year. Yep. So a, a two-year deal at a higher annual value would, would seem to make a little bit more sense, right? Because you'd be better poised to, I, I would think, get yourself set up in a position where you're likely going to have... Uh, decent stats and you'll be able to go for that final contract. If you're locking yourself into three years, you never know what you're going to look like as a 35 year old. So yeah, like that's, I don't know if that's good business by Stasny, but okay.
1: Well, I mean, so the way it works with Vegas, um, Vegas is giving him, uh, so his average annual value is 6.5, right? So he was getting 7.5 this year, 6.5 in 1920 and 5.5 in 2021. So it totals 19.5, and it averages 6.5. I can tell you for sure that the Flyers' offer would have paid him more money through the end of the 1920 season. Mm-hmm. Okay, that much I can tell you. Then, if, but the third season becomes—you know—that's where he's getting extra money and an extra year. So I guess you know, if you're Stastny, you're looking at it and saying, "All right, so I'm—I'm I'm actually losing just—I'm losing a little bit of money over the first two years, but I'm guaranteeing myself a third year." And I'm guaranteeing myself extra money. Now, you know, I'm not going to tell you exactly how much money extra he's getting, but he's getting some. It's not a lot more, but he's getting more money for sure in that third year. So, I, you know, if you're Stastny, you're looking at it and saying, I'm guaranteeing myself more money and a, and a third year of playing, that's probably why he took it as opposed to signing the shorter the shorter term deal with the Flyers. Um he had a decent year last year, nothing spectacular. He put up 53 points uh, between the Blues and the Winnipeg Jets after he was traded, uh, 16 goals and 37 assists. And then in the playoffs, he had 15 points in 17 games um, for Winnipeg. He was really good for the, for the, for the Jets in the, in the postseason. Um, and he would have fit perfectly as a third-line center on the Flyers team. And that, So it doesn't surprise me that that would have been their target. So when Stastny turns them down – Now they don't have another center that they really like, right? So what do they do? They now say, okay, now we have to figure out another path. And so they go to Van Riemsdyk. And it doesn't surprise me. It's somebody they're familiar with. Um, it's somebody who's going to you know, who's very consistent. He's going to put up a number of a lot of goals. Um, I mean, if you go back and, and look at, I have I'm not a you know huge fan of his five on five game, but if you do look at Van Riemsdyk's statistics uh, since he left the Flyers and went to Toronto, um, he is really consistent as far as being a goal scorer. Um, I mean, you know, he had the first year he only had 18, but he, it was a shortened season for him. Um, But uh, uh, because it was the uh, lockout year. But Mm -hmm. then every year after that, 30, 27, injury year, 14, but then 29, 36. I mean, so he's averaging 30 goals a year. I mean, that's that's what he's going to give you, okay? Um, And so that's what I think the Flyers looked at and said, okay, well, at least we can get that. Um, And we'll figure out how everybody fits in. Now you have stories being written in by reporters who are saying, "Oh well, Ron Hextall's touting Jordan Wheel as a possible third-line center," and you know, and it's like, "Yeah, but that's not what they wanted." Yeah, <laughs> that's that, That's a nice little you know sugarcoating of the situation, but they sure don't have a third-line center right now, and they realize it, and they couldn't go out and sign two guys because they, they didn't want to put themselves in a, in um, the financial straits that they were in. Previously, So, basically, I think what the Flyers are going to try and do is hope that either Wheel or Lawton can be, you know, average enough or, you know, league average enough to get them to the trade deadline. Um, and then at that point, assuming everyone's healthy and there's no other like dire need for injury because of injuries, um, you know, if they're if the Flyers are in a position where they can, you know, they're going to be making a playoff push and, and make a run at, at something, uh, maybe they make a trade for a guy at that point. But they they really wanted Stastny ahead of Van Riemsdyk. That I can tell you with a hundred percent certainty, based off of of real source. Within the organization, so go so ahead, Russ. I, respond to that. Um. So, and you're not getting this anywhere else, by the way. This is this is being broken on. This is an Snow exclusive. The this is exclusive. It's an exclusive. To Snow the
0: goalie, yes, and and you've been sitting on it for uh, the last almost nine days. Yeah, yeah, almost ten days. <laughs> yeah, and nobody's gotten it. So that's uh, that's interesting. Yeah. And instead of yeah. writing it on the site, of course, you broke it on Snow, the goalie, the yeah. uh, the only <laughs> Flyers podcast, which is good. Well, it was because, funny, like I, cause this... I
1: I told I told Kyle about this, like when I when it happened, right? And he's yeah. like, "You got to write this up," and I'm like, "Yeah, I think I would rather promote the podcast with it, right? So let's put yeah. it on the podcast. That's where we're going to break it, and then when Russ puts out the show notes and stuff, then you know, you guys you can mention in there that we have. You know, exclusive news about the flyers, and then people will oh, now they're going to subscribe, and this, so it's good marketing for the for the podcast. Yeah, as well. so, so, I mean, so we—that's you know, why us- I sat on it.
0: We really do enjoy having uh, the inside access to uh, to people within the Flyers, flyers organization. So, uh, you know, by all means, continue to, uh, to come out of the woodwork and continue to, uh, you know, pass on the information. I, I'll, I'll let you pass it on to Anthony. That's fine. He seems like a, a delightful fella, and I'm a blabbermouth, so it probably wouldn't work out too well on my part. But I am trustworthy, if, if that counts for anything.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, you so, knew, you knew about this nine days ago, too, and you didn't say anything. So I didn't. I, I didn't even I tell you. I uh, tested you.
0: My Flyers fan friends, I did not say a uh, nary a word to them about this. So um, that is interesting. Now, uh, let me let me kind of play. It's not even counterpoint, really. But if the the Flyers end up in a situation where they they hit a hit the skids early in the season. And I'm not I'm not looking for like a a 10 game losing streak kind of thing. But like, let's say they get out to a start where they're, I don't know, like six and six and 15 or something like that. And, and in the fifteen, like break that up over overtime losses and, and regulation losses. They're all losses. I don't care. So like let's say they, they start out uh, six, six eight and seven. That'll be fine. Um, see that that's good math. See that on the fly. Not only am I trustworthy, but I have good mental math skills. Hashtag blessed. Um, anyway, and then you know how they would spin it. What's what's that? They got,
1: they got points in in thirteen of twenty one games. That's
0: that's how that's how my friend David would uh, would try to uh, spin it. Ah, uh, David, you lovely fella, you. I bet you're missing North Dakota. Anyway, so um, let's let's imagine they're they're six, eight, and seven to start the season. That's not going to set off too many alarm bells with the organization, I would think. But let's say that after uh, a few more games, they hit the skids, and you know now they're I don't know six, eleven, and and eight or something. At that point, if if they've been getting minimal production out of center, is there a scenario that you can see that in a way to Uh, Let's assume they also didn't didn't fix the logjam that we've been talking about for a while, which there's kind of that elephant in the room that Wayne Simmons is still here, has not been traded, and and we can't really figure out where exactly he fits on this team. Is it inconceivable, and I I would think no, but is it inconceivable that Dave Haxtall could decide to split up the top line, uh, reinstitute Claude Giroux as a center, and then you would have three legitimate centers between he, Sean Couturier, and Nolan Patrick? If that's the case, which we'll follow up to this after, but if that's the case, I would assume that Giroux is your top-line center, then I think it becomes a very interesting scenario if Nolan Patrick has had a good start to the year. Is there a scenario where Sean Couturier could fall from the top-line center down to the third line? Where uh, you know, I think he is a uh, a better player for that role than I think Nolan Patrick would be, and ultimately for their development, I think I'd rather see Nolan Patrick played with more skilled players on a second line. Do you see the scenario, and who
1: is more likely in in said scenario to to drop down to the third line center? I, I, I don't think I don't think it needs to be that bad of a skid, to be honest with you. I I okay. I, I think it could happen sooner than that. Um, and that's not a knock on Couturier. It's just because they don't really have another option. However, I will say this: if you do that, and if you do move Giroux back to center, you got to put Van Riemsdyk on his line because you need somebody for him to feed the puck to. Uh, Konechny is a nice player, and he's he's going to score goals as well. But he's not a guy who's going to set himself up to score goals. You need a you need a body right for Giroux to feed it to. Yep. So if you do that, and then you keep Voracek and um, and, uh, and Patrick together, now you're bereft a left wing <laughs> on the second line because um, Wayne Simmons is going to play, you know, on the third line. Unless you say Simmons is going to be your second line right wing and you force Vorchek as a left-hand shot to finally play the left side even though he plays on the off wing. Then you have two lines, but then you got Couturier playing on a third line with who, Jordan Wheel and, and, uh, and Michael Raffl. Like who, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so this is the this is why the Flyers have kind of left themselves in a situation where they can't put Giroux back. At, like, really can't, you know, start the season with Giroux back at center. They have to hope that it works. I, I think that I, I think ultimately that's that's an option, but I don't think it's a good option. Let's put it that way. I, I think ultimately they got to hope that you stick with Giroux, Couturier, Konechny, Van Reemsdyke. Patrick and and Voracek, and you hope that Jordan Wheel or Scott Lawton kind of like takes the you know, takes the ball and runs with it a little bit to be a third line center with Wayne Simmons, um, and, and kind of makes that third line useful. That's what you got to hope for. <laughs> I agree. Uh,
0: I'm I'm just I'm still a little bit taken back. I'm gonna be honest. Like as as we're kind of going through this, like Lawton to me, I I I'm a big I don't know. I, I, I'm a believer in Lawton. I think I will be until he's no longer on this team. Um, but but to me, like, I, I don't know. This this whole concept of, you know, I, I was hoping or thinking that any kind of a center shuffle would have to follow a big skid. The fact that you seem to think, I don't know if this is from uh, that source or not, but the fact that you seem to think that it wouldn't take much of a skid at all to blow up that top line is, I don't know if it's alarming, but, but to me, like, I think Giroux on the well. wing... Prolongs his career and makes him a an exponentially more productive player. So it it is scary, and the and like the way that all of this could have uh, you know been precipitated by the fact that they missed out on Stasny by no fault of their own. Like that that kind of set into place this this row of of dominoes that you know it seems to be kind of falling in around them.
1: Yeah, I, and the only reason I say that it would happen is because I think even though. Um, Hackstall has been really really safe to this point despite the fact that fans were calling for him to be fired and I called for him to be fired (laughs) and you know other people have kind of you know jumped on that bandwagon um, a little bit over the past year and year and so Um, if he gets off to a really bad start in his fourth year as a coach this is the NHL man I don't care what your relationship is like with the general manager Like, it's a league where you have to perform. And making a move for James Van Riemsdyk tells you that the Flyers think that they are ready to, you know, compete at a better level than just be lingering around toward the bottom of the playoff race and clinching a spot on the final day. Like, I think that they feel like... They're good enough they're going to be a good enough team to you know get into the playoffs sooner than the last game of the season, so if you get off to that bad start, I think that Hackstall has no choice uh if he wants to keep his job than to try and then to tinker and try and find something that will work and so that's why I think it's it's a possibility I don't think it's a it's a you know it's something he's going to do right off the bat um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's something you see in in training camp either just to kind of see how things look a little bit um. But, you know, a third line of Oscar Lindblom on the left, Jordan Wheel in the middle, and Wayne Simmons on the right really does not excite, it, and it shouldn't. So, um, so yeah, it's... it's. Uh, uh, I might be a little bit higher on that than you, but... Yeah, I...
0: If, I if just, Lindblom is able to settle in, I don't think it's that bad. Uh, I think any time that Wayne Simmons could represent your team on the third line, I think that shows that you at least have, you know, some decent depth on the wing. Um, yeah. Yeah you know, it kind of all kind of falls back on their inability to sign their, their number one target. I don't know. I, you know, and I think the closer that we get to the season and the less that we hear about a potential Wayne Simmons deal, the more that I think we're, you know, in a situation where we have to accept the fact that he's probably going to be here. And and when I say accept the fact, like, I, I don't want that to come off as a, as if I'm looking at that negatively, I like Wayne Simmons a lot. I'd prefer him to be on this team. Um, but I just don't know if, if the role that he's going to be playing as a as a third-line wing is really doing him justice, and I, I think he would be poised for a much a much bigger season. I expect that coming off the injuries that he had, he's going to have a bounce-back year, and that's going to kind of propel, I think, what's going to be the next issue, and that's he's going to be up for a contract, and the market that's been kind of set in a way uh, in, in recent signings makes me think that he's going to be cost prohibitive especially because the flyers signed Van Riemsdyk to a 35 million dollar deal I, I just don't see a scenario where he stays so then we kind of get into this like potential upending of the team midseason where you know you've talked in the past about how the the flyers the the locker room you know views Wayne Simmons as this great leader you know if, if you're going to upend your team midseason you know to maybe make that trade for a center um, or to to make some kind of a, a big splash at the deadline Knowing that Wayne Simmons isn't somebody that you're going to be able to re-sign at the end of the year, but you think that you know he has some kind of trade value as, as part of a bigger package, um, I, I, I worry about the kind of negative ramifications I could have for the locker room, but I wouldn't be totally surprised to see them deal him at the deadline.
1: Well, again, it really kind of depends on the situation where the team is. But you know, the one thing you got to look at is Van Riemsdyk and Simmons are the same age, right? I mean, Simmons might look like he has more miles on him, but they're the same age. Um, and I think Wayne Simmons being, with the exception of this past season, being that same consistent 30-goal scorer that we're used to, if he comes out and, and starts to have the kind of season that he's used to having, he's healthy and he's putting up the goals, and, and you're seeing him like on that pace, isn't he going to want a five-year, $35 million contract himself? Yep, I mean, I think so. I think so. James Van Riemsdyk, at the same age, with the same with similar production, is making more than three million dollars a year more than Wayne Simmons. I don't know if I don't. Yeah, like that's what I'm saying. So, like, I think that the Flyers are putting have put themselves in a little bit of a bind with this Van Riemsdyk contract in a lot of ways. And it and it's funny because it was not their number one target. That if they would have just gotten if 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 Stastny would have just taken their offer, Van Riemsdyk doesn't sign here. And (coughs) excuse me, the Flyers still have a pretty solid, you know, top top nine forwards, um, and but it's better balanced and less of a concern financially. And I think that this was a this was the first time where I feel like Hextall and uh, new vice president and uh, (laughs) assistant general manager Barry Hanrahan, who who handles the salary cap, the first time they kind of went off their own page, they kind of went off script. And I don't know if it was a knee-jerk reaction or if it was this was plan B all along. I don't know. But I do know that Stastny was their their number one target and it fell through. Well, it's really interesting. Uh, I, I guess, you know, as we kind of project
0: forward, the fact that Tom Wilson got just over $5 million a season from the Capitals, you know, he was an RFA, but he's 24. He's averaged, what, seven goals per season, I think. Um, he certainly did not do much to help the Flyers uh, in their pursuit of, uh, you know, maybe trying to sign Wayne to a, a reasonable deal but you're right if if Wayne even remotely shows himself to be the kind of player that we've grown accustomed to seeing him be it, it certainly doesn't put the team in a good position financially and you know again the, the Stasny thing not working out um, I know that the, the annual value might have been higher and it was a short term deal but you can construct a contract to have lower value in the first couple of years and then have it ballooned in the third or fourth year um, I don't know it, I think the uh the info that you just provided to uh, the the Flyers fans is uh is going to have some some pretty seismic uh, uh fallout I yeah. would guess on we'll Twitter. See. So I got uh, more by the way. Yep. Yeah. Oh, there's more. This is great. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Uh. <laughs> huh, huh. You get inside sources and you get inside sources. Everybody gets inside sources. Source. Uh,
1: yeah, no, this is more uh, for down the road stuff. This is great. I lo- look at this. You're happy
0: you're not bitter or angry. You're in a good mood. We started the podcast well. We even had a tech difficulty that we edited out that nobody's gonna have to know about. Well, I That's just right. told him about it. But you're even happy after that. Yeah. And you have more news? I have yes. more. Oh. So this is Oh, and we have a big announcement at the end of the podcast that I didn't preview. We have I'm a lot, so bad I? at this. I'm so bad at this. Okay, That's continue.
1: Right. That's right. Um so I have some, you know, prospect news. Um, let's start with the guys they drafted last year, uh, Morgan Frost, yes, all right, obviously had the big year in junior, um, and everybody's loving the fact that, that Morgan Frost had that big year. You know, the Flyers even admit that they didn't expect him, uh, to put together the kind of season that he had, um, at, with, uh, the Sioux St. Marie Greyhounds where he scored 112 points in 67 games and then 29 points in 24 playoff games. I mean, that, he had a heck of a year, uh, for the Sioux. Um, so it was it came kind of came out of nowhere because the year before with the Sioux, he only put up sixty two points in sixty seven games, and they thought he was a little bit better than that, but they didn't think he was going to suddenly jump up fifty points, okay, and in in a season, and that's what he did. Um, so everybody, of course, with you know a lot of Flyers fans got excited about that. He signed his entry level contract, um, although he he is uh, slide eligible, so that contract can kick back in a year if he plays another year of junior, which is. Going to happen. Um, but that's not the news. The news is this the Flyers are um, more excited about where Isaac Ratcliffe is right now than they are Morgan Frost. As hmm. a matter of fact, they think Ratcliffe is ahead of Morgan Frost and will reach the NHL sooner than Morgan Frost. And Ratcliffe <laughs> was drafted after Morgan Frost uh, in that draft. Uh, he, uh, Ratcliffe, had a nice season for Guelph uh, last year, 68, and got another guy who averaged more than a point a game, 68 points in 67 games, and he had nine points in just six playoff games before they were eliminated. Um, and he got a chance to get his feet wet with the Phantoms, played two games for them, scored a goal. Um, the Flyers think that he is closer to NHL-ready than Morgan Frost is. So, He's also six
0: six. He's a 6, six yeah, 19 nineteen-year-old. That's yeah. awesome.
1: Yeah, he's got incredible size. Gotta, we need that. Yeah, he's give he's gotta me gotta size. A, he's got to put a little bit more weight on. He's still not quite two hundred pounds for his for his height. Um, Google says
0: he's two hundred one pounds.
1: Anthony, get you know, find a different slant. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I have him at six five one ninety four. Uh, just, so, just. Well, so he's you
0: know. he's obviously grown according to Google. He's now <laughs> 6, 6, 201, and next week he'll be. Uh, six six and a quarter and two o
1: four because he will have gone to Shake Shack yes. for a
0: double Shack burger. Exactly. They're fantastic. But uh, anyway,
1: anyway, and they they play two different positions. All right, Frost is a center, Ratcliffe's a winger. Um, but the Flyers might need a winger, you know, later this year. And don't be surprised if Ratcliffe uh, gets that opportunity. Um, just kind of throwing that out there. So that's another thing that I was told. Uh, in this same conversation. I, we talked about this year's draft, um, and of course you know that I um, put out on the podcast weeks before the draft that their target was Joel Faraby, and that's exactly who they drafted um, with their first first-round pick. However, uh, their second first-round pick kind of surprised us a little bit, right, Russ? Yeah, sure right? I mean, like, no Nobody expected them to draft O'Brien, uh, and they did. Although so, uh, uh, Regis really liked him. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Regis, Regis McGuire. He was, Regis he was really big on him on, yep. the, uh, on the NHL network. I was told in this same conversation that not that they're not excited about Faraby. They certainly are. But they're more excited about drafting O'Brien. Hmm. They think O'Brien is going to be a, a really, really good player. Like, that was the, that's what I was told in this conversation. Like that is, he is considered internally one of the top prospects, if not the, their top coming prospect. Although they know it's going to take a little bit of time. You know, he's just going into, uh, into NCAA. He's going to play for Providence. Um, but he's going to be coached up there by a coach at Providence who is really gets guys ready for the NHL. Um, and they're really excited about him. So that's another thing, so in two consecutive drafts, we've got the flyers currently more excited with their second guy that they drafted the as opposed to the first one. Um, that's strange. And, I also, and I have strange. one one final thing. I have one final bit of news that is kind of on the negative side.
0: All right, hold on before we get to that, <laughs> okay because i i want I want to live in the in the moment of positivity before you know you pull the rug out from under us. okay. Is that a a fundamental flaw with the Flyers drafting? If they're more excited about their second pick, or does it speak to the fact that they had targeted guys who they thought would have gone earlier, who just happened to fall to them? Like, are they excited about O'Brien and Ratcliffe insofar as they thought th- those guys would have been off the board, and they think that they think more highly of them because of where they fell to? It's a it's a higher value at where they
1: were selected. I don't think it's I don't think it's a negative. I think it's it it shows I and mean, the one thing I will say this about the Flyers drafting um and the group that they've had in place there for a while now. Um I think that they have a really good group of scouts um and they're really good at identifying players who are going to become NHLers or have a chance to become NHL players. And I I think that this is this is indicative of you know, usually the first round, everybody knows who the first round guys are, right? I mean, you know, there's a there's a kind of a consensus. But then usually when you get to like the back end of the first round and then definitely into the second and third rounds, then it becomes more all over the place because every player has, you know, a flaw or something that's preventing them from being a first round pick. Um, and then it's really kind of you identifying what you think will play better and what you can work on and what you can get, you know, what your people can make – Happened for this player to get them To the you know the level that you think They can get to and so the Flyers have been Really good at identifying these players and so You know O'Brien was a lot of people said it Was a reach and yet You know, here they are thinking that he's going to be a guy that's going to be a really good player for them for a long time. Ratcliffe was, you know, couldn't couldn't skate. That was why he dropped. I mean, usually you get a forward with that size, and you say, "Oh man, that's got to be a first round forward, right?" Well, no. They were worried about his skating, but he's really worked on his skating. It's vastly improved. Um, It's never it's never going to be superior because he's you know a, a. Lumbering player, but at the same time, it, he's it's, better than it, your Lutera Good, yeah, right. Well, I mean, you know, let's go back. I mean, you know, Scott Hartnell was really good in this league for a long time, and he could never skate. He could never stay on his skates. He fell I mean, down you remember a lot. the whole Hartnell down thing, right? I loved it. I mean, it was yeah, that was awesome.
0: Yeah, you can't but, you can't cut your hair. That's like, uh, was it Samson? <laughs> Samson loses right. his hair, loses all his right. strength. Hartnell cuts his hair. It's not funny anymore. It's not cute. Right. It's like uh, it's like going from a baby, and then you're like ten years old, and you're still falling over. Like now, we're worried about you medically. You know. Not as cute,
1: but anyway. So, so Ratcliffe is that kind of that kind of guy, Um, and they feel like his skating has finally come along to the point where you know what he's closer to NHL ready than Morgan Frost is, and it's only because really it's not that that's not a negative about Morgan Frost. It's just that Frost is Frost is going to need time to grow into his body. He's just not physically ready for it. And you're gonna you're gonna see that um, over the course of the next season or two as he's finally he's got to build that up and get himself ready to play in the NHL. Ratcliffe, being that big-bodied guy already, um, has that physical advantage of being of of um, of having his process expedited a little bit um, over Frost, and that's why they're excited about him. So I think that I don't think it's a negative at all. I think it's very it's very much saying, hey, you know we we've done our homework really well, and we think we could uh identify these uh these players and get them to the nhl quicker even if we're taking them taking them later on in the draft get to your negative now i'm scared see i don't like negative don't give me it's a prospect how how negative well they're very disappointed with a former first round pick how about that oh that's very disappointed i mean very yes so now is this,
0: th- this is like on ice, this is off ice? Like is this personal or is this professional? On is ice. it both? Well, okay. what
1: I, I mean, it could be. It, if there's anything off ice, it was not portrayed to me in this conversation. Okay. Um, Hermann Rupsoff. They are very upset with the fact that he has just been willing. So in the queue, he's actually played for two different teams now in the queue. Uh, he started with Shiketumi, um and then was traded to uh, Katie Bathurst. Um, and once he got to Bathurst, um, they kind of put him into more of a checking line role. And he kind of accepted it and just kind of played it, you know, ho-hum. Um, he was, you know, when you're a first-round pick in the NHL, you need to uh, you need to be better than a— Point per game player in junior hockey And he scored 12 goals In 38 games for Bathurst Um, He had uh, Before he got traded only 3 Goals in 11 games for Shikatumi. So 15 goals in 49 Games and then in the playoffs he had 5 goals in 19 games So he really wasn't The dominant player that they need him to be And it's because he accepted Kind of like just all right, you need me to just be A third line guy that's just going to be what I'm going to be And so they're not happy with that that mental approach to the game, like okay, all right, yeah, yeah, he does. He's not challenging himself, and that's why they're disappointed in him, and they're concerned because this is actually, you know, they're seeing this a couple times now. I mean, a couple years ago when he first um, when he was playing in in, uh, in Russia, okay, he was playing in the KHL as a as a uh, as eighteen year old or seventeen year old, uh, he couldn't score, and okay, big deal, um, but when he came over to the queue he put up 22 points in 16 games, but it was like, okay, he needs to be a little bit better than that. Let's see him at the beginning of the 17-18 season when he's a top player. And then he just didn't do it. He never kind of asserted himself in that way. And that that's bothered the team to the point now where I would not be surprised if, if the Flyers need to make a move to get a player uh, at the deadline. Um, if Herman Ruptsov is the guy that they try to move uh, to someone to another team uh, to try and acquire the player that they feel they need, it's a bummer. Bummer for him. It's it like is how the how the mighty have fallen. A guy yeah. that's that was so highly regarded even a year ago. Yeah, it's the one. It's the one draft pick that if you look back over the last I don't, I don't know how many years you want to say, and you know Flyers usually do a nice job with their first round picks. If you go back and look, they they've all been good NHL players. Um, it's the one that I think that they're they're most disappointed in I mean even Samuel Moran who still hasn't really you know made his mark in the NHL he's played a couple games but um, it, it Sam Moran new...
0: is the Roman Quinn of the Flyers a <laughs> prospect who people have been clamoring for years to make the big team but can never stay healthy enough to, uh, to yeah. make it.
1: yeah but and that's the thing I mean and I think that I think that they still believe in him. Um, They signed him to a new deal in the off season, so that tells you they still believe in him. Um, So you know, but we knew at the time that he was going to be a project. All right, maybe we didn't think it would take five years, but here we are, five years later. And defensemen do take longer to mature in their into an NHL role than uh, than forwards do. They have far more responsibility, a lot more to you know to think about and learn. Um, That's why when you see what Provorov's doing. Uh, at the age that he is, it, you, you really know you have something special there. Um, you know, it's it, it, that's why we were when we were having the whole discussion with uh, Kevin Kincaid. Um, you know about when he was putting his top twenty-five players in Philadelphia list together. Like we told him. Provorov's got to be higher, and the reason is is because he he's almost plan- didn't have. He had him in, I think, the the low twenties. <sighs> he
0: he and I said, dude, he needs to be top ten. I'm like, he yeah. should. I'm like, he should be top ten, top fifteen at the very worst. Yeah, a number I, one defenseman as young as he is.
1: Yeah, and, like, and he didn't quite understand why. But I'm, I'm telling you that, and I keep saying it over and over again. In five years, you'll know why we pushed for Provorov to be on that list higher than than you had him. Um, but so so that's what makes what he's doing so impressive. But Moran. You know, I, I think that I think that they the Flyers still believe in him, and I think that they, he's at some point going to get that opportunity. I'm not certain that Ruptsov ever gets the opportunity with the Flyers, and then you know, they probably don't want it public that that they're very disappointed with him uh, as a player. But whoops, uh, <laughs> dude, I guess that counts out of the bag. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm sure there are other teams who would take a flyer on a first round pick who's maybe underperformed to this point, and you get them, you know, get them into your system and you give them a shot. I mean, that happens in sports all the time. Uh, change of scenery really works out for for a guy sometimes. So Maybe somebody would take a chance and say, yeah, we'll take Rupsov and we'll give you our NHL player that you you need to fill your role.
0: Yeah, so they're going to trade Rupsov and um – and Wayne Simmons, and they're going to promote Ratcliffe. Good. All right, so we know what's going on, and that's going to be part of the uh, Eric Carlson trade. Good. (laughs) Who still hasn't been traded? Uh, It's unbelievable. Eric, what are you doing? By the way, so we've mentioned signings, we've mentioned trades, and uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't point out that uh, while we've recorded this podcast, it broke that Robert Haig signed a uh, two-year contract yep. um, for uh, $1.15 million per season over the two years. So that's a total of $2.3 million for those of you who uh, don't have a calculator handy. You're welcome. Not a bad deal. Uh, Haig is, is I, I would say he's intriguing insofar as I don't think he's going to ever become a, a top pair defenseman. I think that's pretty safe to say. Um, but he's certainly a guy who, uh, you know, is NHL caliber. Uh, probably on a, a bottom pair maybe in a in a good scenario for him he ends up being a, a second pair defenseman but not a bad guy and and certainly not a bad cap hit I think he was making around 840 yeah like 847 thousand dollars last year yep. so it doesn't represent that big of a of a jump and you consider the fact that he's now proven that he can kind of hold his own in the NHL so I think that's worth a, a modest increase so uh, I think he was the last notable restricted free agent that the Flyers had. Uh, going into the season so it's good to to get that kind of figured out you know well in advance of camp
1: yeah absolutely and you know arbitration was coming up um so they had to get they had to get something done with him um and so yeah and and the thing of it is is by signing him to a two-year deal he's still a restricted free agent after that so you still have control uh even though he's he's 23 now so he's got two more years his uh, age twenty four year and age twenty five year, so you have him going into his age twenty six year still as a restricted free agent, and you can make a determination at that point um, where you think he um, where you think he fits. So, um, yeah, no, it's good. That's that's good for the Flyers, good for Hextall to get that done, um, and really you know lock you in now. I mean, now when you look at this this team, um, they have you know seven NHL defensemen. I mean, I know technically Provorov and Sandheim because they're still on their entry level contract could be moved down to the minors um obviously Provorov's not going to be I would hope Sandheim isn't this year I think that you know he's at the point now where he's he should be on this team and ready to roll um but uh the only defenseman that I think has a shot you know to make it um out of out of camp uh that's in the minors is Phil Myers um Otherwise, I think you know who your defensemen are going into the season. Yep. I mean, McDonald, Gostas Bear, Gudis, Haig, Provorov, Sanheim, and then they have that uh, Christian Follian who they signed from the from the Kings. Um, as kind of I'm like looking forward to uh,
0: to Christian Follian's uh, uh, top pair minutes that he's going to be getting this year <laughs> while uh, Travis Sanheim rots in the uh, press box. That'll be really exciting. Thanks, David. Yeah. David, I know you're listening. Let Sanheim play. Please free him from the press box. Just yeah. let the kid live. Let him live his best life. All right. Thank you. So. Anything else? Uh, I I don't I don't think there was anything else from your source,
1: right? That was the, uh, no, that that was that the was, end of it. Uh, that's it. And that's my and on a down state note, state. good. Thank you for that. That's. Uh, well, I mean, did you want me to start with that and then save the you know bury the lead? I could have done always, that. They always. I mean, they always say you know start with the bad news, right? But you uh, you really went.
0: Well I, did, it, well,
1: I did. Well, and to be fair, the news that I started with wasn't necessarily good news. Fair, right? I mean, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't bad news, but it wasn't okay. good news. Yeah.
0: Um. I guess it's time for the uh, third edition of Who's That Flyer? Oh boy!
1: Here you we know, go. know what the best
0: part of Who's That Flyer is? I think of a random flyer and I pull up the stats and I give you the uh, the thing and I I just looked this guy up, so I'm I'm feeling pretty good about it. All right. Yeah, here we go. Are you ready? <clears throat>
1: uh, as so this man.
0: this man played 13 years in the nhl right 13 seasons not not all for the flyers 13 seasons five of them were for the philadelphia flyers your team your town your philadelphia flyers years with the flyers yes he played 311 total games for the flyers registering 44 goals 66 assists for once again mathematicians out there 110 points uh he is a finnish player and he happened to play on the right wing Hmm. He also uh, spanned his career spanned from the mid '90s. I think I know through through the uh, the mid late ish 2000s. Name yeah. that flyer. Who's
1: that flyer, Anthony? If I had to guess based off of that information, and for for the first time, Russ, I'll give you credit that you actually gave me some like legit like info for to try and make a guess. Uh, I would say that that is. Sammy
0: Kapanen. It is Sammy Kapanen. Ding 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 yeah. ding ding. Congratulations, Anthony. Um, yeah. By the way, I got a real kick out of it. It happened uh, last week after uh, after the episode posted on on that Sunday morning. Uh, I uh, I can't find the guy's name now. There was somebody who uh, tweeted at us an apologies to that guy, um, who said that he was uh, incensed, yelling on the train. I think it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that he knew it was Mike Rathgie and was getting some strange looks that he was just yelling Mike Mike Rath-G on a uh, on a train. So I'm hoping. That, uh, if nothing else, we had somebody else yelling on public transportation, Sammy Kapanen. But you got it pretty quickly, so uh, hopefully uh, everybody out there had fun with uh, the third edition of Who's That Flyer. I don't think there's anything else that we really have to get to. We covered Haig. We covered the uh, sources, the the, uh, inside source who happens to be in the know. And it wasn't an industry source. It was a direct source. It's amazing how those things work.
1: Yeah, funny. Funny yeah. how that happens. Interesting. Funny how that happens. You, you, you um, ain't getting that. There's only uh, there's only one other podcast that's out there um, that would have someone who has access to such sources. There's another podcast. Well, I think I there, think we there might is? be. Yeah, I heard he that there's.
0: I heard a rumor that there are two guys yeah. who have recorded. I think it's thirty episodes of a podcast that's related to a Philadelphia hockey team. Um, I don't know if it's gone live yet but i i believe that uh this guy and i think he's had some rotating co-hosts and and guests and such but um yeah i, I don't know do you want to do you want uh, to uh, well, let this one out
1: let this one out for the people yeah sh- we should let this one out um okay. we don't have a we don't have a date yet um but i do know it That's will what take... i said on prom night <laughs> <laughs> i I, just I do i do know that it will take place sometime in early september um but uh uh, my, our good friend Jason Mertitis, uh from 97.5 The Fanatic, um, he has a, uh, po- his own hockey podcast called Stick the Hockey. It's the Stick to the Hockey podcast, and he always has a rotating guest host. Um, it was actually suggested um, to us by a, a listener of both podcasts that we should have a, uh, a crossover episode uh, at some point and just have all of us sit around and just you know talk hockey for a while. And, uh, so we, uh, I talked to Jason and, you know, we kind of, you know, you know, weighed all the options. How can we make this happen? And, uh, we're going to do it. Uh, we're, we're just trying to figure out the, um, logistics of where to record it, um, how, how to make it happen. But we're going to get some guests on, uh, from the flyers, uh, and really just have a, uh, a fun night where, or, or day, depending on when we record. Um, but it'll be, uh, a, a crossover episode of snow, the goalie. And the Stick the Hockey podcast, and so all Flyers fans who listen to one show or the other or both uh, can hear all of our opinions uh, simultaneously. So that'll it's be gonna a lot be of swell. Fun. Yeah. The last fun. time I
0: talked to Mertedas, we were uh, arguing about uh, LeBron James. He was one of the guys who had said that LeBron James or his people had been checking out uh, Malvern Prep um, in in anticipation of uh, free agency. I guess while the NBA season was still going on, he hopped on Crossing Broadcast with me and Kyle, and. uh, yeah, it's the last time I talked to him, so I'll, I'll look forward to that. It'd be some some good hockey talk, and, uh, and I think be yeah. Fun. By the way,
1: just just the the, the Twitter guy um, that uh, that um, made the suggestion. I should I should give props where they're where they're due. Right? Yeah. Um, is uh, at the maniac, but it's spelled M-A-E-N-I-A-C. Mm-hmm. Uh, that suggested get the stick, the hockey pod, and I like uh, the, uh, the the name, the name. We'll go together,
0: Doctor Jan
1: Itter. Yeah, I know. Right? Yeah. That's pretty good. That's I good. like that. Good stuff. So that's like who that. that's who yeah. it was that gave me the suggestion, and uh, so we are we said, yeah, hey, you know what, not a bad idea. Let's see if we can make it happen, and we're going to make it happen. So it, so uh, I guess stay tuned the, for information on that. We're the only Flyers podcast, and,
0: and Jason Martinez also has a uh, you know a, a hockey podcast. I I guess he may or may not discuss the Flyers from time to time. So that's uh, that's good. I guess there is room in this town for a, a second podcast. I guess we'll allow it. I can't imagine that there is another one out there. Uh, you know. <laughs> One of one of whom uh, of the uh, the co-hosts that clearly doesn't exist uh, said that Nick Cabell doesn't deserve to be on a uh, an NHL roster. However, if uh, that person had listened to the Snow the goalie exclusive with Ron Hextall, they would know that uh, Ron Hextall mentioned Nick Cabell by name. One of I think only four or five players that he mentioned from the uh, from the minor leagues as somebody who could potentially come up and fill a role. But hey, you know what? Live your life. And if uh, that person, you know, if uh, if somebody who's that young and, and has been name dropped specifically by the GM, isn't somebody that you think is uh, worthy of being on a top 25 under 25 list. Uh, good luck. I, I really hope that the other 25 people you pick uh, make the make the big club this year. Oh, oh, they're probably not going to. Right. Because there's not enough space for that. And that's stupid. OK, I'm done. I was just—I right. was a little. The little I got really angry about a hypothetical thing that doesn't exist. But anyway, uh, here good. we are.
1: That's 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 good. That's, well, that's good. good.
0: Yeah, it's good. Yeah, good it's stuff. Great. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Um, uh, I think that's it for me. Yeah, I think we're good. So thanks again for listening to uh, Snow the Goalie, and uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter. Let us know what you think, how you feel, especially about this uh, big time breaking news that Anthony decided to sit yeah. on for nine days to break on the Snow the Goalie podcast, which. I'm very grateful for. I'm looking forward to uh, any kind of posts or articles that come out uh, from uh, any flyers people who uh, listen to the show. And I think it's. I think that's reportable. To be honest, I think that's. And a, I think that's a real I think thing.
1: you should. Well, when you put the when you put the link up on Crossing Broad, maybe you'll do a nice little post about it. Oh, don't don't you worry about it, Anthony. I got this thing on
0: lockdown. <laughs> very excited.
1: <laughs> yeah. I am. I, it's the summer. I'm not writing, so it's good. yeah. It's okay.
0: That's all right. I'll, look, the I I my uh, my posting was pretty much limited to the Sixers. I did one Phillies post. I burned the internet, so uh, I oh, might yeah. I might stay away from that for a little bit. People just couldn't handle the truth about uh, Carlos Santana and J.D. Martinez, but that's fine. So uh, yeah, I'll I'll put it out there, and uh, it's very exciting. So well done, Anthony. And neither of us uh, neither of us blabbermouthed. It. That's pretty exciting. That's I'll, good.
1: I was worried about me.
0: <laughs> wow. <Well. laughs> Let me. And if there are any other sources within the flyers who want to uh, get a leg up on Anthony and just, you know, leak it to me, uh, you can hop slide in the DMs there uh, at Joy on Broad on Twitter. And of course, if you're looking to drop some uh, nuggets of knowledge to Anthony, he's uh, at @ant Philly. Uh, let us know on Twitter. How do you feel about uh, Stasny being the real number 1 target over JVR? Does it change the way that you look at this offseason? Does it change the way that you view the JVR contract? And how do you feel about the way that the organization uh, feels about Isaac Ratcliffe and about uh Jay O'Brien. And yeah, let us know. So uh until next time, that's Anthony at Ant San Philly. I'm Russ at Joy on Broad. We'll talk to you again soon.